This time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Today, as I said, we have the honor of hearing Rabbi Yudin's words coming from the Holy Land. He is in Israel. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning to you and good afternoon here calling from Ramat Beit Shemesh. What a schuz. They always say this, but I'm always marveling at it. We have Shabbos in the States and all over the world. But Eretz Yisrael not only has Shabbos, Eretz Yisrael has Erev Shabbos. You feel it, you see it, you sense it. And I want to tell you, come and feel it and sense it for yourself. Okay, a very special Pasha this week, Pasha Zayetze. And let me just begin by saying that in this week's Pasha, you have number one, Beit Eil, where Yaakov's incredible dream takes place of the ladder, Mutzav Arzo, but it's based on the ground, the Rosho Magia Shemayim, and the head of the ladder is upward, and this is taking place, we're told, at Base Ale. Today in Base Ale, there are Buriyayin Hara, over 6,000 Jews living in Base Ale. There is a large yeshiva in Base Ale. The Arut Sheva <coughs> comes out of Base Ale. So, Baruch Hashem, very much alive and kicking. But more than that, just before we get to a makshava on the parsha, just be aware that you have as a background to the parsha the concept of fertility. In the sense that HaKadosh Baruch Hu promises Yaakov, and not only that, in this week's parsha, Yaakov and his four wives, um, Yaakov's father's 11 sons, and one daughter, and with his flock, in order to amass the um, fortune that he does without ostensibly taking anything, and in reality, not taking anything from Lavan, a Kaddish Baruch Hu teaches him the scientific as well as miraculous knowledge that he's able to generate as he conditioned with Lavan, speckled, spotted, brown, all kinds of uh, genetic manipulation, which Yaakov was able to do, and we see him being a master at fertility. Am Yisrael, <laughs> Eretz Yisrael, is at the forefront of IVF in vitro, in vitro, fertilization, whereby you should know that last year over 37,000 IVF cases were carried out and over a third of them were successful. Most important to note, number one, unlike back in the States where the individual has to fund it privately, here the state of Israel funds the in vitro till the age of 45. And as a result of that, so many, uh, over half of that number are for women over 35, 
whereby the uh, government and the state of Israel actually encourages Baruch Hashem, the birth rate. And Israel has uh, one of the highest birth rates in the Western world, and the birth rate is that um, and the IVF success part is a growth of 11% over 2015, and overall, the <coughs> Jewish population has doubled in Eretz Yisrael over the last 40 years, over 6 million Jews living in Eretz Yisrael. I'd like to focus on one very interesting uh, point that comes out of the very beginning of this week's parasha. The Torah tells us that Yaakov was leaning, so he is on his way to Haram, satisfying his parents directed to go and marry a wife from um, one of his cousins, from Laban's daughters, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu orchestrates that he comes to the place that will be in the future, the Mokam HaMikdash, Vayolen Sham, and he sleeps there, Kiva HaShemesh, and the Torah tells us, Vayitka HaMokom, literally he quotes, chants upon the place. The Gemara tells us in Brachos, <coughs> that this is the source of Tfilat Arvis, the Mayrit, the evening prayer. Gemara tells us in Brachos that there's a machlukes where the Tfilos stem from. The first opinion is that Rabbi Yossi who says that Tfilos Ovos Tiknon, the three prayers, Shachris, Mincha, and Mayrit, they were instituted by the Ovos, Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, respectively. And the Gemara goes on to show, bringing Sukin, that Avram instituted Tfilat Shachris, Yitzhak instituted Tfilat Mincha, and Yaakov instituted Tfilat Mayrit. Not only institute, but if you think about it, point out with Hirsch in a brilliant uh, analysis that Avraham lived a life of Shachris. What does that mean? Shachris can only be said in the morning while the sun is rising. And Avraham lived such a life. Basically, he, with all his tests, not only did he pass them all, but all the, <coughs> what Hashem had promised him came true. He was renowned, he was recognized, he was successful. And that Abraham lived a life of Shachris. Yitzhak already, you could only have a mincha when the sun is on its way down. So Yitzhak, while he too was successful, not to the same degree as his father, but never having to be there to Israel, was wealthy. However, <coughs> Yaakov is Myron. Why? Because <coughs> Yaakov lived a life of Myron. How so? He has one trouble. Yamcha Hashem Yom Sora, Hashem Yaakov. Yaakov is associated with Golos. 
Yaakov goes into Govis, unlike his father, who never left Eretz Yisrael. Yaakov has to run away from Esau. Yaakov comes to Lavan. After 20 years, he is uh, connived and fooled by his um, father-in-law. And he goes back to Eretz Yisrael and the encounter with Esau and then with Dina and then with Yosef. And then down to it, Yaakov lives a life of Miley. My interesting question that I want to try to grapple with you is, how is it that the Gemara points out in Brachos, Parat, Zion, Amadeus, the Gemara shares a machlokes between Rabbi Gamliel and Rabbi Yeshua as to whether or not Mailev is chova, an obligatory prayer, which is what Rabbi Gamliel says, or Rabbi Yeshua says that Mailev is reshut. Now, Rishut literally means optional, but that's not how it is to be understood. One should not make the mistake that, well, if I'm the mood, no, nothing to do with in the mood. The Talmud tells us, for it's already been accepted upon ourselves as an obligatory prayer. So what does it mean, Rishut? To a certain extent, you could say that <coughs> my risk is treated somewhat like a stepchild. What does that mean? It means, number one, there is no obligation of Smichus Gula Litzila at Myriad. What does that mean? It means if a person comes to Shul, good reason, late for a Shachu's prayer in the morning, and they're about to say Shmona Esrei after he puts on his talents and tefillin, so you can't in the morning jump right in and say Shmona Esrei and then say the Shema afterwards. No. You have to precede the davening, the Shemona Esrei, with the Shema and its brachos. Not so at Myrid. You come to Myrid a few minutes late, we're about to say Shemona Esrei, you can say Shemona Esrei, and then afterwards say the Shema and its brachos. Secondly, <clears throat> you know that on Rosh Chodesh, in Shachris, what do we do in the shul? We give a bang on the table, a clap. That tells the people, oh, a reminder to say, Yalaviyavo. That's so at my rib. You're permitted to call out before the Shemona Esrei and interrupt for the purpose of prayer, which you can't even do in the morning. There is no Chazorah Sashat, the repetition of the Shemona Esrei at my rib. So why might it be that my rib does have this status as a quote unquote Meshus? Now, to make it even <coughs> more sophisticated, what does that mean, Rishus? So the interesting Rav Chaim, in his commentary on the Rambam, explains the Machlukes between Rambam and Raivad. What if a person didn't realize that he already David Mincha? He David Mincha early, Mincha Gedoma. And then uh, he's in the middle of Mincha Titana, later on Mincha, and he realized, oh, yeah, yeah. I already got in Mincha. So what do you do? So one opinion is that you stop immediately. And the other opinion is no, you can continue the Shemona Esrei, but you're continuing it as a Tfilat Nidava, which means it's a gift offering, which means that as long as you add something to the Shemona Esrei, that would be sufficient. What's the difference that you can't do it to Mincha, but you can do it to Myrith? And explains of Chaim, the answer is because Myrith in the first place was set up not as an obligatory prayer 
It was set up as a Nadova to begin with, as a kind of Rishus. Now, the question is, why? But again, it's Chova. It is obligatory today. But why the difference? So there's a beautiful piece of the Meshach Chachma found in Parshas Vayigash, where the Torah tells us that Hashem appears to Yaakov when he's in Beersheba on the way going down to Mitzrayim to begin the Golot of Mitzrayim. And the Torah says Hashem appears to Yaakov Bimaros Halayla, literally in the vision of the night, and points out the Meshachachma that you only find Hashem appearing to Yaakov, quote, at nighttime here, as well as the beginning of this week's parsha, Vayachalom, Vayikat Yaakov, Yaakov wakes from his dream at nighttime. And the reason for this is because Hashem is appearing to Yaakov in Eretz Yisrael prior to his going into Chutzlaharz, prior to his going into Golos. And basically, the idea he brilliantly says is that normally, <coughs> Nevoah, Prophecy is only in Eretz Yisrael. However, as we see from the opening verse in the prophet Yechezkel, if you had prophecy in Eretz Yisrael, Yechezkel as well could have it in Chutz La'aretz. So he compares the Meshachachma, Mayrid, to this kind of an idea that, after all, not only do our tefillos have as their origin, as we pointed out by Yosef Rebchanina from the Avos, but our Tfilos come from the Karbonos. So our Shachris is corresponding to the Karbon Shachar that existed every morning without exception of the Beis Amidosh. Our Mincha corresponds to the Karbon Tomid Shal Shachar, to the korban that was brought every afternoon. And what is Myris? Myris is once the korban was brought during the day, then by extension, you can have the evorim, um, the limbs, the fats of the korbanos that were brought during the day. By extension, you can have them at nighttime. Similarly, what you have here is as follows. The main thing we should realize is that Myriad is the prayer of Golos. Myriad is the prayer of the Jew going into exile. And exile is not the permanent state. It's an artificial condition of the Jewish people. We belong in our land. We belong within a, with the base of Mindosh. That is the ideal. And so just as the carbonos of nighttime is only because it's an extension during the day, so too our survival in Golos is the extension of what we had in Eretz Yisrael, literally energizing the Golos since it came from there. And so the way to do it is by connecting ourselves, and therefore our night, our gullus, has to be an extension.
extension of the day of what life was like when we had Eretz Yisrael, when we had a base on Midrash. And that is the powerful lesson of Myron being Rishus. Just as the Golos, the exile that we're in, we pray, is going to quickly come to an end. Therefore, the prayer of Myron does not have that same permanence, is of a temporary nature because it's representative of the Golos. And therefore, when we pray Myron, we should understand that we are imbuing and taking into ourselves that which, please God, came before us, the glory, the prominence, the presence of Hashem in Eretz Yisrael, and by keeping the Torah outside of Eretz Yisrael in the Golos, we're extending that to the Golos, reminding ourselves that, please God, in the Golos will come to an end, and therefore the significance of Myrith as a prayer of Golos will also come to an end. He's God, in Yamenu. Shabbat Shalom. J.M. in the A.M. on this Friday morning hour of Shabbos. My thanks to Rabbi Yudin. It's always special to hear Rabbi Yudin, but extra special when he speaks with us from the Holy Land.